Hello there and welcome along to Planet Sport Football Africa, a passion for sport production where we look at African football, what's happening around the continent and what African players are doing overseas. I'm Steve Vickers in Harare, Zimbabwe, joined by Ida Waringa in Nairobi, Kenya and by Stuart Weir in the UK. And on this week's show, we take a look at the impact of coronavirus on football in Africa, with the African Nations Championship postponed. Also, we'll hear from a Nigerian and a Gambian based in Europe. And as Euro 2020 is postponed because of coronavirus, as well as Europe's top leagues, we ask Stuart how the calendar will work, as the English Premier League says that the season will be completed. Also, we ask what the economic implications are. And away from the pandemic, Ida's been speaking to Manchester United legend Dwight York. We hear about winning the treble in 1999, his amazing partnership with Andy Cole and his thoughts on African football. In terms of African players, there is no better player at the moment in the Premier League than Mane, in my opinion. Well, it's a big interview, this one, coming up in a few minutes and uh, not to be missed. Let's start with coronavirus, as many leagues around Africa have been suspended by now. And on Tuesday, the Confederation of African Football made the inevitable decision to suspend the African Nations Championship, which was due to begin on the 4th of next month in Cameroon. And now the plan is to reschedule it to a later date. Uh, here in Zimbabwe, almost all sport has been postponed or cancelled, as gatherings of over 100 people are not allowed for the next 60 days, although there are no cases of coronavirus here in Zimbabwe. Well, we hope that you're OK and staying safe wherever you are around Africa, or indeed if you're listening from outside the continent. Now, Italy is the worst affected European country and is in a lockdown to try to contain coronavirus. There are plenty of African players in Italy. Gambia defender Omar Colli is with Syria A club Sampdoria. He says he does not have coronavirus, despite earlier reports suggesting that he had tested positive. Colli posted this message on Instagram. Dear family, friends and fans all over the world, thank you for your messages and uh, inquiries. I underwent blood and lungs tests um, on Thursday the 12th of March, which turned out to be negative. A nose test was followed the next day on Friday the 13th of March and uh, was said to be doubtful. I can therefore confirm to you that me and my family, we are safe and sound from the coronavirus. And uh, I'd like to thank Sampdoria for the help and support they've given us. And um, we are sending our prayers to all the people who are affected by this virus and also to all the brave doctors, nurses, and all the medical experts working day and night to combat this virus. Stay home and be safe. So that's Omar Kale. Another African playing in Italy is Simeon Wankwo, who's played five times for the Nigeria national team and is with Syria B-side Crotan. And Wankwo gave us an idea of what it's like as a footballer in a coronavirus hotspot. Currently, the world is facing a big problem with the COVID-19. So I'm going to give you a little bit of an insight of what his life is like in Italy, which is the epic center of the problem in Europe presently. Currently, we're in a total lockdown, no movement. We have to stay home because these are little things we have to do to help in curtailing the increase. And I can tell you, this is not just an Italian problem. It's a global one. So we all have to take it really serious. We all have to play the part we can. We all have to unite ourselves and come together to fight this battle because it's a game that we all have to win together not individually. So I beg every one of us, come together, do the needful, respect the rules that are being stated out by the government and the authorities, 
We all have to keep praying for the medical department, the doctors, the nurses, and everybody that's working tirelessly to help this situation. We all have to keep praying for them. And we all have to play our own part in this game. Because it's a game of a team. We have to play like a team and win like a team. We have to stay safe. I pray that everybody, every one of us can be part of this strongly. Because at this moment, football is the least thing on our minds. But I can tell you one thing. We can be distant today, but when we are done with this battle, we can all come together and enjoy this beautiful game once again. Let's do it for ourselves. Let's do it for our future. And let's do it for everything the world represents. Together we can. So it's not easy, very frustrating for the players. That's Nigeria's Simeon Nwankwo. We've been in touch too with another Gambian, Modu Lamin, who plays in lower-tier football in Sweden. Uh, he says it's not really affecting us here. We're still doing our normal activities, although that message was as of a few days ago. Uh, more on coronavirus later, as the English Premier League season will be completed. Uh, but how exactly will it work out? And on social media this week, we're asking, how are you coping with the lack of football? Uh, these are certainly strange times for football fans, as the coronavirus pandemic is having a huge impact on sport. Uh, many football leagues around Africa have been suspended. The major leagues of Europe are all on hold too, uh, plus the UEFA Champions League. So how are you coping with the lack of football? Have you found any other sporting activity to replace it? You can post a comment on our Facebook page, that's Planet Sport Football Africa, or send us a WhatsApp to plus four four seven nine double five two three two seven eight zero. That's plus four four seven nine double five two three two seven eight zero. Now, also, if you'd like to send a question to Ida, to Stuart, or to myself about how the coronavirus situation is unfolding where we are, or indeed to ask us any other footballing question, you can send us a WhatsApp to plus four four seven nine double five two three two seven eight zero. Again, that's plus four four seven nine double five two three two seven eight zero. Well, now to our interview with Manchester United legend Dwight York, who was in Kenya recently. And Ida had a chance to speak to York, who's from Trinidad and Tobago and moved from Aston Villa to Manchester United in 1998, winning the treble that season, including that dramatic 1999 Champions League final where Man United beat Bayern Munich with two stoppage time goals. Now, York scored 47 league goals in 96 appearances for United, forming a fantastic partnership with Andy Cole. Now, Ida first asked Dwight York about his family background. I came from, a, as I said, a very poor family, a family of nine, six boys, three girls. We lived in a two-bedroom bungalow. Having the opportunity at 16 to go to England was uh, something out of the blue that we, we never uh, anticipated. Um, to, to be the first to, be, to have done it, um, to go to England and be successful. As I said, the challenges on the ahead was daunting, but something that I know that I, I wanted, you know, football was what I dream of. Being a professional footballer is something that I've always wanted to do. And when that opportunity arise, um, I, I grasped it with both hands. I knew that this, as I said before, it was a life changing moment for me. Uh, and, I, and I had to do it not just for myself, but for my family to, to try and provide for my family in a better way financially. Um, however, I, I would have never imagined in my widest thought for one moment that we will win the treble in my first year. I expected us to, to win a trophy at least, but not to win the treble. And to be part of that, that is something, no matter what happens afterwards, that you're part of, and that's history. Much has been said about your partnership with Andy Cole at Manchester United. Just tell us a bit more about that. 
the club that I was walking to. Um, the expectation level was a total different level. And the first three months, well, the first, the first couple of weeks was really daunting in terms of what, what people had expected from me. And, and Andy Cole and I had been friends before, but we'd become even closer when, we, when I came at Man United. The reality is that the big rumors were that he was going to leave the club and I was the one who was coming to replace him. And so I give uh, Coley a lot of credit because he could have easily taken the easy option and left the club at the time. He stick around the first three months we never played, or the first two months maybe, we never played together. In fact, I played with the current manager, Olaf Gunnar Solskjaer. Then I played with Teddy, then I played with Ryan Giggs, and Coley was left in the dark a little bit. Um, but he hang in there, he believed in his ability. And on top of that, what was even great about Coley, he invited me to his home for dinner with his family. He made me feel welcome. He made me, he showed me the areas where to live in Manchester, the areas where not to go in Manchester. So he went out of his way to make me feel really, you know, bearing in mind that I was coming to replace him. Why would someone do that? It was like a marriage made in heaven, so to speak. And uh, so Coley and I was, was just in awe of each other and pushed each other to a limit that um, I'm sure the Premier League will always continue to talk about. But equally, I have to acknowledge my teammates uh, around me. Without them, it wouldn't have been possible. So Dwight, tell us about your favorite goal scored in your career and also toughest opponent. I managed to score against all the team, but I couldn't score against Real Madrid. Don't know why, uh, I just can't score. There's just, just a team I just never, a couple of times or the opportunity I get to play against them. In terms of opponent, uh, maybe Tony Adams back in the days. Those, those big guys was just so huge, they were six foot five. So it's definitely a bit of a different situation at United right now compared to your era. Um, give us a bit more insight into what you think about the, the current situation right now at Old Trafford. Yeah, we know the difficulties in Sir Alex Ferguson leaving the football club, that the club may never be quite the same. However, we have a current manager at the moment who has spent a number of years at the football club, successful himself as a player. Struggled probably through the midsection. Seems to have leveled out a little bit this time around. It's hard to compare and it's hard to, to sort of endure that because in our time and, 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 and before my time, United has always been competing for the Premier League. So to see us in this current position, it's kind of difficult to sort of you know, take in. Where we always had three or four players in that, in that senior department to make sure and guide the young players through to understand what the club and the history of the club is made up of. You look at the players that we have, I think we have some fantastic players in the squad. We now add this current player, Bruno Fernandes, who seems to make an impact, which is what we needed. New signing at Manchester United, Ojoni Gallo. What did you think about the signing? Let's, let's be blunt about it. It's a bit of a surprise package in, any, in many respects. Um, with his record in the Premier League, uh, playing at Watford, he has done remarkable well, even though moving from there to China, it's a different story. It's a whole new ball game. So that's why the eyebrows was a little bit raised when he first came in. Now we can all hum and ah about him not being the right person. Now he has to make it right. You've got to make an impact at a football club. If you're given time at a big club like Man United to, to sort of pencil in yourself and you know, get into the system, I think that's... That's a dangerous game because that club eats you up because the, the scrutiny that you're under 
constantly, you're not given the time to really sort of cement yourself. So you go and you hit the ground running, you score some goals, you, you get the fans on your back, and then you, you're sort of off and running. But he's got off to a good start. Good luck to him for the rest of the, the season. I hope he continues goal-scoring form. And, uh, yeah, hopefully the team will finish on a high in my, in, in my eyes. Well, Igalo is definitely hoping to prove himself. I mean, he's scored in every game that he's started for United so far. But who are some of your favorite African players, both past and present? George Weir, I mean, one of the heroes of, of, of my time. Uh, he was slightly older than me, but somebody who I looked up to in terms of the way he played the game and how skillful he was. He was such a good player. Great throughout the years. Okacha, uh, Kanu. Those guys were absolutely sensational um, in the Premier League. Um, you look at now, not the current crop, but just before in my time, Jogba. I mean, wow, what a, what a player, what an additional. So when you talk about the history of African players, it's deep in the history of the Premier League. So it's no surprise that the current crop now, uh, most are, and obviously Mane, who I think is arguably one of the most exciting players in world football, let alone in the Premier League now. And so you guys continue to do wonderful stuff and continue to produce great players. Um, I just hope that one day, because of the continent that you possess around there, you win the World Cup uh, at some point, but you seem to come up short. But um, yeah, I mean, in terms of African players, there is no better player at the moment in the Premier League than Mane, in my opinion. Having taken part in uh, the 2006 World Cup, looking at Africa specifically, what do you think is uh, the challenge? What hinders Africa from World Cup success? I think you've got the talent without a doubt. I think you, you have the, the team or the squad. It's the know-how. I think there's not enough know-how, not enough I say cunning or cleverness in terms of how to win. I, I remember commentating or doing some commentary work for Super Sports. I remember, I think it might, might have been Nigeria playing against Argentina in one of these games, and they were winning the game. But they keep attacking and keep attacking, and they keep playing into Argentina arms. When you have someone like Messi who's lurking, you just got to try and be much more clever about how they approach. And yes, I know being African, because I have African descent, you want to play attacking style football. You want to be flamboyant. You want to be scoring goals. That's Manchester United legend Dwight York speaking to Ida when he was in Kenya recently. Very interesting indeed, saying that African teams need more know-how in order to win the World Cup and uh, showing his admiration for Sadio Mane, who's uh, been playing so well for Liverpool. Uh, well, Stuart, uh, York certainly had a great time at Manchester United, didn't he? York's career at Manchester United effectively only lasted three seasons, but it was amazingly successful. As he said, uh, his first season was 98-99, when United won that epic Champions League final against Bayern Munich with two stoppage time goals in Barcelona, as well as winning the League and FA Cup that season. In fact, they were Premier League champions the three seasons that he was in the team. While York scored 18 and 20 goals in his first two Premier League seasons, he struggled in his third season to hold down a starting place and in his fourth season only got four starts and was transferred to Blackburn Rovers. I certainly remember that uh, telepathic relationship with Andy Cole that he talked about. The two players just somehow seemed to know instinctively what the other one was going to do 
and where the other one would be. He was also a player who always seemed to play with a smile on his face. I thought it was really interesting, Steve, that he still talked about Manchester United as we. Clearly great affection for those days. Uh, Still a big place in his heart for Manchester United has uh, Dwight York. Uh, Thanks so much, Stuart. Uh, Do stay with us. This is Planet Sport Football Africa, brought to you by Passion for Sport. You can download our app and listen to the show anytime and access past programmes in our archive. To download the app, go to the Play Store or the Apple iTunes App Store and enter Planet Sport Football Africa. You can listen to on our new look website, that's planetsport.tv. And in the About Us section, uh, there are pictures and profiles of all of the team. That's on our new look website, planetsport.tv. Now let's go to social media. And last week we asked, is Liverpool's season good enough? As the Reds' Champions League campaign ended with a round of 16 exit to Atletico Madrid. Uh, When the season resumes and is completed in England, they will certainly take the title for the first time in 30 years. But going out in the round of 16 in the Champions League uh, for the first time since 2006, we asked, should fans be disappointed or happy? Here's Planet Sport Football Africa's Adrian Barnard. Thank you, Steve. And we start with Mamadou Bar in the Gambia, who says, yes, it's been a good season because they haven't won the league for 30 years. So that's a very good season for the fans. Yes, that's right. And you'd have to go back to 1989-90 for Liverpool's last title win. And that was back in the days of the old first division, three years before the Premier League got off the ground. And uh, to put it into context, over the past 30 years, Liverpool's fierce rivals Manchester United have won the title 13 times. And Joseph Adelino in Namibia agrees. Yes, I think it will be a wonderful season, definitely, with only one game lost in the league so far, says Joseph. Imagine not winning the EPL for nearly 30 years and then winning it now. It will be a great thing for them and for their history. Jemo in the United States says Liverpool's season this far is good enough already, even without them being part of the cup competitions anymore. They haven't been at their best this season consistently, but have found ways to win games, which is what champions do. Biswek Njakwa is in Malawi. Liverpool fans should be happy because the Champions League elimination was anticipated by many football followers, says Biswek. However, the season has been good for them in the Premier League, but Klopp will need to make additions to the squad if he's to defend the EPL title next season. Mwinga Mayambolwa in Zambia is another who thinks Liverpool's elimination from the Champions League should be kept in context. What a season Liverpool has had, says Mwinga. The fans should be happy despite a few hiccups along the way. The Premier League title has eluded them for 30 years, so winning that alone will make up for the other cup exits. But Oms K. Baji in the Gambia believes it is reasonable for the fans to have high expectations. By its own high standards, Liverpool FC is experiencing a poor run of form, says Oms. Yes, they have opened up a big margin in the EPL, but at the moment they're not playing good football, and their fans must be disappointed by now. And Moses Bebe Zuse in Zambia agrees. I think the Liverpool fans will be very, very disappointed to be out of the Champions League, says Moses. Modu Jang Bar in the Gambia says indeed they will be disappointed because fans expected more from the Reds. 
And Mwenda Zambwe in Zambia also agrees. No, it's not really a good season if we are to compare it with their hard work of last season, says Mwenda. They haven't been impressing and being knocked out in the round of 16 tells us something. Yes, they are almost winning the EPL, but their performance in the EPL isn't convincing. And if it wasn't for the help of VAR in most of their games, they could be in fourth position, says Mwenda. Well, that's an interesting comment. But uh, Al-Hagi Saidi Khan in the Gambia begs to differ. Absolutely, they should be proud, says Al-Hagi. I think the credit should be given to Klopp, who is a fantastic coach, personally and professionally. He ignited the winning spirit into a team of average players and made them into a super talent. And Abdul Aziz Bojang, also in the Gambia, agrees. It was a tough game for Liverpool against Atletico because Atletico were much stronger than Liverpool this season, says Abdul. So please let the fans calm down. They should not be disappointed with the team results. They are still having a chance to win the EPL title. On the other hand, Francisco Dodoma in Malawi can see both sides of the argument. I'd say it's mixed reactions for the fans, says Francis. It would sound nice to grab the EPL title after such a long time. However, it's sad to be booted out of the Champions League so early. Remember also that the team did not fare well in the other cup competitions, so although it might be a great year in terms of the EPL title, I don't consider it to be the best season for them. Remember, they are the defending champions of the Champions League. And finally, Haruna Cham in The Gambia says... Their fans should be grateful and thank the team for what they have done. They should be happy, but not disappointed, says Haruna. So, there you are, Steve. Understandably, Liverpool fans have the very highest expectations, but to win the Champions League one season and their first domestic title for 30 years by such a wide margin in the next, well, you can't be disappointed with that, can you? Surely. No, well, I guess you can't. <laughs> Thanks, Adrian. And uh, must say, it seems strange that we were watching Liverpool in action against Atletico Madrid on Wednesday of last week. Uh, seems like ages already since we had football action. Let's get more now from Stuart Weir in the UK as coronavirus has led to almost all of the football in Europe being suspended. Uh, Euro 2020 has been postponed by one year and we don't know as yet what's going to happen with the UEFA Champions League. But on Thursday we heard that English football will be suspended until at least the end of next month and that the current season can be extended indefinitely. Under current rules the season had been scheduled to end on the 1st of June. Now, a joint statement issued by the English FA, the Premier League and the English Football League expressed a commitment to finding ways of resuming the 2019-20 season and completing all domestic and European matches as soon as it is safe and possible to do so. Liverpool, of course, are just two wins away from taking their first Premier League title in 30 years. Their fans were worried that the season might have been declared null and void and there being no champion. But that won't happen. The season will end. But, uh, Stuart, when are games likely to resume? When might the season end and uh, how is this going to impact on the following season? The announcement that the Premier League will be suspended until at least the end of April came as no surprise at all. We are in uncharted territory and no one can give any answers with certainty. The Premier League, along with all other major leagues in Europe, has been suspended until the beginning of April. 
But with the government in the UK battling to control corona and introducing more and more restrictions on society, there was never a realistic prospect of football resuming in early April. With the European Championship being postponed for a year, in theory, June and July are now available for the Premier League fixtures, provided Corona has been brought under control, which cannot be said with any certainty at this stage. There are nine or ten league games still to play, as well as FA Cup ties, and perhaps, in Manchester City's case, Champions League games as well. With the most optimistic time frame, restarting at the beginning of May and playing two games per week still takes you well into June. And where do you fit in the cup ties? With the government telling people in vulnerable categories to socially distance or self-isolate for four months, it could easily be June or July before we're able to start playing again. But with a clear announcement of the intention to finish the season, that is helpful But it begs the question, when will next season begin? Because players have had a break in March-April, there is arguably no need for a significant break between the end of this season and the beginning of next. But I think realistically, clubs will need a month to prepare, because at this stage, at least six clubs at the bottom of the Premier League don't know whether they will be in the Premier League or the Championship next season, so can't sell tickets. The transfer window will also be messy, with some countries potentially having finished the season and ready to start the new season, while others are still finishing it. With this season finishing later, and next season inevitably starting later, it looks as if it will be necessary for next season to finish later as well, but that's difficult with the European Championships now in 2021. You could reduce the number of games next season, for example, by having every club play each other once and then split the league into a top and bottom half. And in that way, you could save perhaps 10 games. But then, if there are 10 games less for television, that would have financial implications. There is simply no satisfactory solution. And everything I'm talking about assumes that we are able to restart the league in May or June. But if the pandemic, in its worst-case scenario, lasts into the summer, the Premier League may have to think again. So there's such a lot of uncertainty, but at least there's the intention to finish the season whenever that will be. And Stuart, tell us more about the financial implications of all this. The clubs have to pay the players a huge amount in some cases, but uh, there are no games now, so the revenue is affected. Uh, Then the TV broadcasters must be losing a lot and many other areas too of the industry. Corona is having a massive impact on the economies in Europe, with people being told not to go to bars and restaurants, many of them are closing. Airlines are cutting up to 75% of flights with many job losses as a consequence. So while sport is being hit hard, it's far from unique. Television income in the Premier League amounts to 3.6 billion per year and an average of $180 million per club. And I think The main reason why they didn't feel able simply to abandon the season at this point is that television would have been asking for its money back. A quarter of the games not being played, a quarter of the money back, would have been something like $44 million per club, as well as the loss of game day income. And 
while we concentrate on the Premier League, don't forget that there are 72 other clubs in the three divisions of the Football League. And while their TV contracts are much smaller, uh, with clubs potentially losing only $250,000, that money would be nothing for a Premier League club. But for a club like Oxford United in the city where I live, that would be the difference between survival and going bankrupt. So again, I think that was the pressure, why they had to play the games and why they cannot reduce the number of games for next season. Now, Wayne Rooney, Premier League star in his time, but currently a player coach with Derby County, made an interesting suggestion that every Premier League club should donate $1 million into a fund to be divided among the 72 clubs. His argument is that a million dollars is nothing for Manchester City or a club like that, but for a club like Oxford United, it would help them to survive. But I can't really see it happening. We're also being told, Steve, that a staggering $1 billion has been wiped off the value of Manchester United. Well, thanks, Stuart. So Man United's value tumbling on the stock market and audit firm KPMG announced on Tuesday that the big five leagues of Europe could lose a combined $4.2 billion because of the coronavirus outbreak. Well, so challenging times, great uncertainty, but do stay safe wherever you are. That's it for the show for this week. So from me, Steve Vickers in Harare, from Ida Waringa in Nairobi, and from Stuart Weir and Adrian Barnard in the UK, thanks a lot for listening. And Planet Sport Football Africa is a passion for sport production.